0: welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. This is your destination for conversations with the winners and finalists of our annual prizes, as well as discussions with book lovers from across the country. For this episode, I have two wonderful guests. Together, they've worked on books such as Orca Chief and The Voices of the Skeena. Here they are to introduce themselves.
1: Uh, my name is Roy Henry Vickers and I'm an artist. I'm both a settler and an indigenous person in Canada. My mother's people came from England and my father's people are Simshan, Haida, and Heiltsuk from Bella Bella. I carry the chieftainship Tlaquagilla from the House of Waukes in Rivers Inlet. And uh, I'm passionate about art and storytelling.
2: Uh, My name is Lucky Bud. Uh, I am good friends with Roy Henry Vickers, and we just passed our 10-year anniversary of the day that we met. And uh, in that time, Roy and I have created 11 books in 10 years and various other projects, including, uh, you know, musical box sets, and he's done totem poles, and uh, we've worked on DVD projects together. And um, I consider myself... uh, an oral historian and a producer and I get to work in the medium of storytelling and so uh, hanging out and working with people like Roy who are unbelievable storytellers and learning from them has been one of the joys of my life.
0: Lucky and Roy are the creators of Raven Squawk Orca Squeak which was a finalist for the 2021 Bill Duthie Booksellers Choice Award. Here's my conversation with Roy and Lucky let's talk about Raven Squawk, Orca Squeak. Where did the idea for this beautiful book come from?
1: Well, Lucky inspires most things. So I can't remember this one. Lucky, they all kind of melt into each other. We do. Usually get into a conversation and uh, then things go from there. Uh, Raven Squawk and Orca Squeak were about sounds from the west coast from the perspective of an indigenous outdoors person i guess all indigenous people are outdoors
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah the way that this whole series of now four board books came together of which this is the fourth uh started with hello humpback and the idea for Hello Humpback was that Roy and I were at his place on the Skeena River with our friend Tizia and my children and Tizia, who only had one at the time, a two-year-old, were playing on the lawn underneath where we were standing. And a huge eagle came and landed over, flew over the river and landed in a nest in a tree. And Tizia said, I need this. I need a book that can explain this to, to, my, to my child. And Roy and I looked at each other and we were like, we can do that. (laughs) And so the whole idea of doing a board book series to bring firsts of the West Coast originated from that spark of inspiration. And so we started with first words, which was Hello Humpback. And then from there, we went to numbers, which was One Eagle Soaring. And then we did, um, the next one was uh, Saltchuck uh, Blue. What was, how was that start? <laughs> they all they do all, they all kind of meld into one. Uh, Sockeye Silver, Saltchuck Blue, which was Colors of the West Coast. And uh, we thought it would be a fun way to end it with something different, which was sounds. And the way that I remember it starting was I was uh, talking with Roy about the Simshan name for Eagle. And uh, I could say the word, but Roy will pronounce it better. Uh, Roy? <laughs> Lars
1: I'm going to put it right back on you. You've said it so many times. Yeah. Lars Geek. You know how it's And so from
2: there, he explained to me that the sound that an eagle actually makes is the geek part of the name. and skeek. skeek. Skeek, that's right. And oh. so that was kind of where the idea came from. Well, oh, isn't that a really interesting idea of something that we could do? of bringing like those sounds of the sounds of the animals and working with that, a book of onomatopoeias. Isn't that an interesting, fun idea? And I think that's, that's where it started.
0: I want to talk a little bit about the board book as a, a form for story. Cause it's not, I mean, it is story. The images tell stories and they're not maybe have characters in the same way that story books maybe normally do, but what are some of the challenges that the two of you faced when approaching the board book as a as a form for writing stories and engaging with readers that maybe was different than some of the other books you'd worked on?
1: Ooh, none. Yeah, I it, don't think of any uh, challenges, to be quite it honest. Didn't, it didn't seem like the board book was any different than any other book, except that the pages were thicker, so little, little kids who don't know better can chew on them and and kid-handle them. But there were no uh, challenges as far as the book goes. Um, However, it was Anna from Harbour Publishing who initially came up with the idea, uh, knowing that I always have hidden images in pieces, kind of like ghosts from the past or... Hidden images. Um, how about if we put an extra coat of clear plastic ink over top of some of the images so they become tactile? And oh man, what a what an incredible incredible thing to happen! And little kids just love it. They just want to touch it and feel it. Yeah. So yeah, that was. That wasn't really a challenge. It was an added vision of, I want to call her our third collaborator in the book, because Anna does so much with my images that she should be mentioned.
2: 100%. 100%. It really is a a team effort. Um, And what I love about that isn't just the tactile feeling, but as you can see, the way the light reflects at different times and it's actually an element that Roy has used in his art um, on his fine art prints, except it's not not with the tactile element, but just the way that the light hits various parts of images, it brings out other things. So it seemed like a natural progression. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah.
1: To add the tactile. Light, light uh, color is all about light and refraction of light. We discovered this by accident, but I wanted to, and one of my prints called... Skiddigat?
2: No. No, it wasn't Skiddigat. It was
1: um, Skidans. The, Skidans. I was sitting on a log looking out at a beautiful summer sky and the faded blues. And I was lamenting over the disappearance of this incredible village that used to exist right on the site where I was. And I was actually shedding some tears. And a friend of mine who was alive at the time took a photograph. And when I saw the photograph, I thought, oh, how can we create an image in the sky like a thought? And there came the idea to take a drawing of mine and start with a gray and one end of the village and uh, no pigment at the other end, so just a clear extender that holds pigment. And so we pulled this in a silk screen print, and when it dried, we moved it, and the whole village came into perspective at some point. And then when if you move the angle and the light hit it differently, it disappeared. So that has been a a way for me to capture spirit or a thought since I don't know how many years ago that was, 30 years ago. So it was a natural for children's books because children have incredible imagination and they often see things that we don't as adults because we, I don't know, we think we see it all or know it all or something, I don't know. But kids are always inquisitive. So I guess the other challenge is to have the the child's mind because the child's in all of us. So to go back to that magic inside you as a child and allow that to influence what you're doing with the book. For sure. Um, And we've played with it,
2: um, the little hidden things. So, for example, in our book, uh, Orca Chief, the idea was let's hide a little baby orca in the artwork on every page, but not tell anyone that we're doing it. And (laughs) kids right away, you know, after like the second or third page are like, and then they start looking for it. So there's been all these little uh, things that we've tried to do to make it playful from really from the very beginning with that. I remember the very first book we did together was Raven Brings the Light. And there's this brilliant image that Roy made of the chief of the heavens house. And and you could look at this image a hundred times And not see this, but if you turn it a certain way, all of a sudden these line drawings and the trees come out and you can see a dog and you can see faces and it's so well hidden and so disguised on that page, it's, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It, So we've been playing with that from the beginning. And when it was time for us to do Raven Squawk, I remember thinking when the idea came up, you know, so much of Roy's imagery is, is so auditory there's so much movement. There's so many things happening. This is going to be fun. Let's, let's think about, you know, sounds, you know, I mean, so it was just super fun thinking, okay, so what can we, what images can we use? What ideas are there, you know, besides just animals? I love the idea that uh, Roy was able to have a skating image skaters glide, you know, and yeah. it's like, it doesn't just have to be limited to the the, uh, the natural world of animals. You know, there's also the human element and even just on this page we have you know fire crackling skaters gliding and then it was a matter of coming up with you know just various onomatopoeias and words and what are the what are the sounds and yeah my perspective on them on some of the sounds is so different than Roy's like skeek for an eagle that that's that wasn't for him that was like oh yeah there it is once he said it to me oh yeah that's amazing so you know a lot of fun just throwing it back and forth
0: It seems like I should have asked instead of challenges, I should have said what surprises came up? Because it seems like there's always more surprises in your projects than challenges.
2: I rarely think of challenges.
1: No, the challenges for me were always, well, when do you think you can get this done? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't know. I'll have to start on it and let's see. Yeah. Sometimes it's, I think it's going to take days and days and days and it happens in one morning yeah so it's not the surprises are always you come out of left field and you just you don't see them coming and they're always good surprises yeah
2: and as far as the words go it's a matter of stepping away from it because it always starts with a song a melody you know for hello humpback it was da 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 now I have to plug in the words or we plug in the words or Roy, doesn't you think that sounds weird? And you step away for a few days and when you have it, it's just like, okay, oh, hey, there it is. And it makes sense. And it works. So yeah. the melody for this one was a little bit different. We went with, um, you know, just for the first stanza anyway, like rivers rush, whisper, splash, thunder booms, waves crash. And you'd think, okay, that's what we're going to establish. But then we didn't, we stepped away for it <laughs> for the rest of it. Skaters glide, wish scrape, whoosh. So every time we start a new one, it was that da da, da 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 And then it doesn't. So we found a pattern, but we didn't start with it. So it's, it's like songwriting. It really is. And just plugging yeah. in the right words for the melody and finding a groove with it,
1: really. And being willing to step outside of the box whenever you're, you're pushed outside of the box and go, oh, wow, this is okay. It works. Yeah. But what, what I guess those? another thing is it's, it's about positivity in what we're doing. So if you're always looking for the positive in things, surprises come or or a a little image will come out that wasn't there before just because your your mindset is, oh, this is gonna work. And it always does.
2: Totally. It's just so much fun, hey. Like the idea even that was driving this is let's let's write a let's do an art book about sounds. Oh, that's different. <laughs> You know, oh, that's a cool idea. Okay, how are we going to do that? You know, and then it's like playing with a puzzle, really.
0: Yeah, I wanted to start, I wanted to talk about the sound part of it, because the last time I spoke with the two of you was about Voices of the Skeena, which, of course, has an oral component to it as well. So it, it felt like this book was, in a sense, like a natural, for me, because I was reading the one after the other, that they were kind of natural extensions of each other, like, In a sense, Raven Squawk Orca Squeak is kind of an oral book because you would expect a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a parent to be sitting with a child and reading the book aloud. So therefore, those sounds are sounds. And I I just wanted to hear, you know, your thoughts on that and your like, just the I guess a conversation about the sound element of that, because I don't think naturally you would think of that. Cause of course, as I was sitting reading it, I wasn't reading it out loud, but then I thought I should be reading it out loud. <laughs> like I should be reading this book aloud by myself, but you know, it it it's a book that kind of demands to be read aloud.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, when you, when you're telling stories, as, as a storyteller, it's about a voice and sometimes your voice will mimic squawk squawk raven squawk and and it is absolutely natural because nature is natural natural so it, it's it's all like a an automatic progression of thought so hearing the animal sounds and then telling the children about the animal sounds and then creating the image that is part of the animals making the sounds. It's a natural, natural progression.
2: I'm so excited by this because two ideas have popped into my mind that I haven't thought about in a long time. Right when I met Roy, I just had a baby boy. Uh, Levi. And I remember Roy teaching me and talking to me about what happens to babies in the first 18 months of their lives. Roy taught me uh, that we learn more or th- you could it was either more or as much in the first 18 months of our lives as we do for the whole rest of our lives combined. We learn more. Yeah, yeah. And the way that we learn, go ahead. Do you, you speak to this? How, the way that we learn.
1: Yeah. This happened uh, for me at a uh, meeting with the Minister of Education in British Columbia and and all of his suits that were there at, around this table. And I was invited as a keeper of the knowledge, uh, as an Indigenous artist and an elder, uh, to speak to how we taught and how people learned for 5,000 years before colonization. And it was natural. It was progression of stories that have been told since the time of the flood, since uh, light came to the world. This a story of raven going into the heavens to the chief of the heavens and then taking his raven skin off and being this man called We Get Big Man and going to the chief of the heavens and eventually getting the sun and the moon and the stars and running back to the hole in the sky and putting the raven skin on and bringing them back. Well, that story is so old, we, we don't know. It's 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 over 3,000, 4,000 years old. Uh, the story of the flood has been told since the great flood. So I, I realized during the, the stories that I heard that it wasn't just Noah's Ark that survived the flood. We had canoes in Kit that anchored to the top of what today is still known as Anchor Mountain. That's where the canoes went. And the, oh, everyone has a story of the flood and how their people survived. So it's all storytelling and it's all wherever the inspiration comes from, like what like he was just speaking to. And I, in the last few days have come to the realization that the stories are wonderful. And you're saying you want to, you're challenged to read it aloud. You should read it out loud. Well, a number of people on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram have been telling me, Roy, you need to orate the stories. You need to record them and tell them and have a flip pages so the images can appear but we want to hear your voice telling the stories the way you told them and so that opened up another whole um, fact that the stories as they're written in Raven Brings the Light that's not the way I told the story that's not the way Lucky recorded it so what we've done is Lucky's taken the idea and put it into children's words. And then we work back and forth with it until we come up with the text that actually goes into the book. And I have never read a book at a, at a, at a book reading. I always say, well, I, I, I've never read this book. I've always told the story and I've told it to thousands of people. So I'm just going to tell you the story. And it's similar to the way it's written in the book. And every time I tell stories, I see images and I hear sounds like the crackling of the fire. In storytelling, what you hear and what you see become part of what you speak. And that's the gift of storytelling is someone teaches you or, or it's innate in your the way you are and you just do it.
2: It's why at the back of all of those books, we include a little link where you can listen to Roy telling the story. It's so important that you can hear it because yeah, that's, it's, yeah, Mm. it's brilliant. It's a brilliant thing. And going back to Raven squawk orca squeak, the way that children learn is by imitating sounds, feeling emotions, um, hearing things, hearing the way things are phrased and feeling that closeness. And to me, Reading, uh, reading to my little children, and I know the same thing for Roy, you telling stories with your children is some of the best times I had with them when they were babies, right? Yeah. And uh, so to be able to communicate sounds, to me, it just sounds, it's, it's just an, an, a wonderful thing to be able to do, you know, because they connect with the skeek or the swish scrape. You know, it's like it's, and, you know, you find when you say the words, you embody what it is that you're saying. It's yeah. fun. It's really fun yeah. and to go back to your question i guess when we were working on this book we were pretty much we were on tour for uh voices from the Skina, so i think the whole storytelling idea it was just kind of naturally happening because of what we were doing at the time and we always have so much fun when we're on the road doing those kinds of things i feel like we come up with like 20 different ideas every single time we do that so yeah it's yeah. fun yeah i miss it <laughs> Me too.
0: It was interesting, Roy, in in what you were sharing and and what you were just saying now as well, Lucky, it made me me kind of reflect on kind of the progression that we as as humans have gone on in terms of how we read and how we convey story, because there really has been a shift from oral storytelling to, I mean, I love to sit alone with a book, but I, there's a, a real joy when I get to hear authors read the book the way that they imagine it. Like, it's just every time I hear someone read their work or tell a story the way they, they know it, it just, it comes to life in a way that I don't think I could ever imagine it. And so it, it makes me think, you know, and we're in an interesting point, I think, with audiobooks and and how there's more and more film adaptations of books that maybe we're looking at different ways to tell story again and looking at those oral components of how we tell story. And I would just love to hear what the two of you think about that and how we need to bring, you know, story from not just being on the page to being a multi-sensory experience.
1: Mm, this
0: is
2: a passion for both of us, really.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I imagine children who can't see. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to see the images. Well, in those board books, there is a way that they can see the images. They can feel the rain, they can feel snow, they can, they can touch things and, and people who can't see have extrasensory perception in the tips of their fingers. Um, also in the way voices come into their ears. And so, yes, I uh, those stories, before I became a storyteller, all of those stories I heard from elders who told the stories. And sometimes I tell them like those elders told the stories to me. And I'm thinking now as an elder that I sound like they did. Uh, there's another thing also, um, I went to a, a storytelling workshop many, many, many years ago in California, and the lady said, when you are speaking from your heart and emoting, your voice changes completely, and there's a timbre or a resonance that to me is connected to the truth of what you are saying. And it doesn't exist until you are centered in that place to deliver with your voice. And children know you can you can have totally have their concentration on what you're saying or totally not have it. It all depends on how connected you are to telling that story. And I think of all those kids, Lucky, holy <laughs> macro. We went to, to Kelowna and spoke to 600? At a time. At
2: a time. Yeah.
1: At a time. Yeah, there was 1,500. At the end people. of storytelling, yeah. I think there are images that are coming onto the screen, uh, but I'm speaking as well. And at the end of the storytelling, we have a question and answer. Wow. You know, when you do this with adults, they're very slow for people to say, I, I have a question. <laughs> of these kids. There's arms up all over the place. And and one girl, I'll never forget her, she was sitting over against the wall at the end of the row of seats. And she was holding her arm up against the wall until she was asked a question. The kids are just totally, totally engrossed in the story, and they want. And what was her question? What's your favorite pie? What's your favorite pie?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Best
2: question we were ever asked. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's your favorite pie? Yeah.
2: yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, six thousand, almost six thousand kids over five days, and I would say. 3,500, 4,000, 4,500 hands, you know, it was rare that a, that a hand wasn't up. And I would say that question and answer period was like an hour and a half to two hours each, each time. Enthusiastic. And they had to cut it off.
1: They yeah. To... So much fun. And the poor teacher who was choosing who to <laughs> get to ask the question, I thought, oh, you poor lady. Totally. Can we get a microphone <laughs> in
2: the balcony? Yeah, yeah. That was the best. Um, yeah. Roy and I, from the beginning, our connection was around storytelling um, and it's amazing that Harvard Publishing has been so supportive of us, including oral components to our books. If you listen to Voices from the Skeena, you hear the stories in the people's own words. That's an essential component of that book. Um, mm. Again, Raven Brings the Light, Orca Chief, Peace Dancer, Cloud Walker. There's a component, listen to Roy telling the story. Um, that's been huge for us from the very beginning. You know, what is said is so often inseparable from how it is said. Hmm. really and we're both we are both really committed to that and it comes forth in a lot of our passions I mean even the music that Roy and I both love I mean what Roy was just uh describing if you're doing it with your head or doing it with your heart is the difference between pop music and the blues you know we love the blues we love those we love Dylan we love those storytellers who are completely inseparable from the story that they're telling
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
2: That, that's that's where we're both at and it's a huge passion for both of us and the more storytelling we can help bring, bring to children, especially uh, the more they're going to get educated and learn all the facts that are embedded in those stories and the values that are communicated by virtue of those stories. Yeah, it's exciting.
0: It's funny in you talking about music. I was listening to this podcast today and this, uh, the, the woman is, talking to phil collins about writing a breakup song right and uh love hurts the Lou harris and graham parsons version comes on and she kind of says to phil collins how corny the lyrics are and he said it's all in how the person sings them because totally. you see them on the page and it's like oh you know love hurts okay but you hear graham parsons and Lou harris sing it and it just yeah comes to life
1: it hurts they're living it Yeah, and that's another thing with Indigenous songs. They're all stories. They're songs about everything. So when the storyteller is not telling the song, then the singers are. And then the dancers are dancing movements that go with the song. So from the time we're little... We're bombarded with all of these stories over and over and over, and some of them are in song, some of them are in dance, some of them are in old person telling you the story. Magical. Yeah.
0: I wanted to talk to uh, to the two of you about music because I know it came up the last time we talked. It has come up a few times today. How much does music play a role in the books that you're writing? I know, Lucky, you mentioned that there was kind of a song to Hello, Humpback" and a rhythm to um, Raven Squawk. But how often do those two come together while you're creating these books?
1: Many, many times. <laughs> I couldn't even count. Just, yeah, it's all interwoven. It's it's uh yeah i was talking today and uh, to some people and they were trying to understand um, our language and how the language works because many of the words cannot be written with the letters of the alphabet and for me it was like okay um the way we speak in our Tsimshian language is like a song. There's a flow, there's a movement to the, to the way people speak. It's amazing to hear old people using the language. And the language spoken in Kit Katla was so beautiful in Sing songy that the Haidas called the Tsimshian people, people people of the beautiful language. So it's, it's, music is everywhere. And when you, when we're talking, it'll be the words to a song or one word will come up and then a line from a song will come. And it's usually Bob (laughs) Dylan or Tom T. Hall or the the storytellers of music that, that influence us the most and that carry and all of the image or images are created. Uh, while I'm listening to music in the background. That's it. Um,
2: And I remember when we did this last page with nature singing all around and, you know, Roy presented us with all of these gorgeous animals and birds talking about some of the sounds. Well, skeek, skeek, we have for here, up here for the eagle. Well, is that with a K or is it? No, it's skeek. And he would like, he would enunciate it for us as to how we would do it. And of course, obviously some of them are, you know, like honk, honk. You know, that, that's a no-brainer. Screech, you know, but, you know, the way that we were able in Harvard publishing even was able to, you know, really, you know, bring out the sound so that when you read it, you feel it um, to get a lot of the intonation of what it should sound like. It's an incredibly musical endeavor, right, Roy? It's like, yeah.
1: yeah. And this morning, I just wrote a little haiku of I had a cup of coffee that I usually take a picture of out on my deck. And the river was singing to me. And it was one of the lines in the little haiku was the song of the river always calls me home.
2: There'll be times I'll call Roy. The first question I ask is what are you listening to today, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the musicality is a very important part of it for sure. And especially with the board books, because again, we're communicating through um, very few words. You know, Hello Humpback, I think it had 40 words. I think this book probably has closer to like 35 or something. So when you're going into that sort of thing, it has to be about a rhythm. It has to be about a melody. It just does.
1: And the image.
2: Of course. Oh. Uh, yeah.
1: And of course the image. That the makes word. Me. The image is the story or the image That's is it. the word. So you only have to put one word down and then your mind just goes with That's the rest it. of it. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah, this was a
2: really fun book to work on.
0: Thanks to Lucky Bud and Roy Henry Vickers for being on the podcast. Lucky and Roy created the board book Raven Squawk, Orca Squeak. If you want to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website bcyukonbookprizes dot com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we share news about the winners and finalists, as well as information about upcoming events. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Joanna Lilly. Joanna won the 2021 Borealis Prize, the Commissioner of Yukon Award for Literary Contribution. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.